Hi, I'm Anya Kotz, and you're listening to A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. I started this podcast because I was tired of being stereotyped as lazy, triggered, and entitled. I wanted to give voice to a different kind of millennial and invite us to write a new story. One of a generation willing to challenge the status quo, embrace nuance and paradox, and reject PC culture. This podcast isn't about finding answers. It's about asking the right questions. How can we reinvent ourselves and the narratives we've been expected to inherit? How can we take ownership over the ways we participate in our own suffering? How can we move beyond victimization and into empowerment? How can we fix ourselves to fix the world? It's time for new dreams, new stories, and new futures. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. It is a very snowy, overcast morning here in Crestone. We didn't quite get the snowmageddon they said we were going to get, but it did certainly snow. And uh, I'm sort of looking forward to it melting (laughs) in the next few days. Not because I don't like snow, just because I'm smitten by the... um, changing weather in Colorado. I always have been. Ever since coming out here when I was a kid, going to Gunnison to stay with my grandparents at their cabin, I was just totally in love with the fact that it could be snowing and sunny at the same time and raining really hard one minute and gorgeous the next. So this is no different. I'm I'm uh, excited for the sun to come out. And for the snow to melt, and who knows, maybe we'll have another snowstorm. I actually do think it's supposed to snow tomorrow again, so love it all. Love the weather. So grateful to be back experiencing the seasons after so long on the West Coast and um, relieved that the seasons are what feels like a lot more manageable and not as oppressive as they were on the East Coast. Today's episode is with my friend Mariana. Um, and I'm really excited about this one. I've been talking a bit here and there about the tea practice that I've started. I started it rather impulsively uh, in January. I start basically all the best things in my life impulsively, um, which is something I've I spoke a bit to Mariana about in the episode that you'll hear. Um, but yeah, I started it sort of impulsively. Actually, Kylie Macbeth, who's been on the show a couple times, had posted about it, and I saw it, I'd seen other people do tea ceremonies, and I was like, I don't know what that is, but for whatever reason, I feel like I want to do it. Um, I've always, always had an issue with meditation. Um, I don't feel like I have like ADD in any part of my life, but when I would sit down for meditation, I would just feel uncomfortable, which was strange because. I'm definitely like totally down with going inward. It wasn't that I was afraid of myself. I just didn't feel totally chill. And with tea, it's basically a moving meditation. Um, and that really worked for me. <laughs> and I had a feeling it would, and it did. Um, so I actually initially just wanted to have Mariana on the podcast, uh, but then I decided to enroll in her Start Your Own Tea Practice course in January, which I did. And... Uh, I figured the podcast would be a bit more um, interesting and deep uh, to record after I went through the program. So that's what we did. 
And it was really special because um, I not only did I not have a tea practice, but I'd actually never taken part in a tea ceremony at all. And Mariana just happened to be driving through Crestone right before the tea course. So she came and served me tea. And it was such a, I felt so grateful and privileged to be able to start my tea practice um, with my teacher serving me tea in real life. Um, So Mariana has become a friend and I really enjoy the conversations we have together. And um, yeah, I've said this before on the show, but I'm just very, very grateful in my life now to have so many um, strong female friends. And, um, it took me a long time, I feel like, to find my, my people in that respect. I've always gotten along a lot easier with men, it seemed, um, and didn't really know what I was missing until these women came into my life. Um, and it's just been such a joy to be able to talk with them and share similar experiences. And, um, yeah, I'm really grateful for Mariana and all of the women I've met through this podcast too. My God, there are so, so many high caliber people as a part of this community. Um, so on that note, before we get into the conversation, I did just want to mention a few things about our community. If you'd like to get more involved, Patreon is really the place to do that. There's all sorts of things going on on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash Anya Kotz, you can look at the different tiers. So for a small monetary donation per month, you are not only supporting the podcast, um, but you're also getting access to um, lots and lots of perks including uh, we have a book club. We're currently reading Existential Kink right now, which was Lenore's Black rec- Lenore Black's recommendation when she was on the show. And fun fact, me and Lenore actually both took Mariana's tea course. We didn't know we were both enrolling in it, but we did. <laughs> so uh, that was cool. Anyway, that was Lenore's recommendation. For those of you that don't know, um, I do basically like a quarterly, if not more, book club with my patrons Um, each year. And all of the books that we read are ones that we've chosen from recommendations from people on the podcast. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I always ask everyone to recommend a book. So we've read so many of those books and they've been amazing. We've read Braiding Sweetgrass, um, Belonging, um, Cosmos and Psyche, Existential Kink, and uh, many more to come in the future. So that's one perk. I also just started a Discord server, um, which is basically a platform. It's a program that you can download, and it's basically like a big-ass message board. So we have all these different text channels, um, psychology, regenerative agriculture, health and wellness, travel recommendations. Um, there are, oh, sex and relationships, which has been lovingly renamed by my patrons, the sex dungeon. Um, so you have a discord server and that is available to patrons who donate $10 a month or higher. Um, and there's so much going on there. That's like totally even out of my control. People are becoming pen pals and mailing each other art and organizing meetups in person. And I'm just, I was reflecting the other day that within the first few days of leaving my house in San Diego and getting a divorce and deciding I needed to do something very, very different with my life, but not knowing what that was and being very sort of shocked and taken by surprise at how challenging um, the next couple of years would be. I really just thought I could leave my life and start a new one. Wasn't expecting that dark night of the soul that I went through. Um, 
But anyway, within the first few days, I remember sitting in my mom's house. I still hadn't moved to my apartment in Topanga. I was just basically, you know, deteriorating. My health was horrific. Um, I was losing my mind. And I remember desperately searching for podcasts or communities or resources. Like, I think I've told this before, but I literally Googled resources for the worst time in your life. I was like so desperate, thought those search words would work. They did not. Um, and really all I kept getting were like all these like mental health podcasts or, and I was like, I don't think that's my issue. I don't think I have depression. I think I'm grieving. And like, where's the community that can support me through this process? And I remember sitting there. I mean, it was literally within the first seven days of all of this. I probably have it written in my journal. And I said, like, if I get out of this or when I get out of this, I need to start that community. I need to create a space where other people going through this can feel supported and know that they're not alone and know that that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And Four years later, I sit back in total awe at the fact that what I dreamed about, what was nothing but a thought or a vision, has already happened and um, in a way and has become so much bigger than I ever expected. And like, I feel, I don't even know what the words are. It's just awe and gratitude and a bit of disbelief um, that what I set my mind to create happened and happened so quickly and in such an intense and deep way um, that literally not a day or an hour, I feel like, goes by without me just feeling so amazing and so humbled and so grateful that I was able to create this space And that other people have found it valuable and are forming real, actual relationships with other people. There are so many of us out there. And I knew that. I knew at the time, like, I I know my friends are there somewhere and I don't know where they are. So I'm going to pick up this fucking podcast mic, this megaphone and find them. Um, And it worked. And I'm very happy about that. And I'm just so thrilled to see how this community has evolved. So Um, The Discord server has been really amazing for that. In terms of people getting to know each other, there are stickers and workshops. Um, I'm actually just about to announce two patron-led workshops. We're going to do a breathwork course um, taught by Eli, and then one about developing uh, and becoming a more confident creator taught by Ian. So if you become a patron and you have a skill, you can actually sign up to teach a donation-based workshop to the other patrons. Um, I've also taught a workshop. I did a three-hour long Astrology 101 workshop. Um, So that's available to patrons. That's actually available for for all the levels, $5 and up. The other patron-led workshops are for the $10 and up people. Um, But you get access to all of the previous workshops when you sign up for Patreon. So um, not only the workshops, but also the book club discussions, basically anything that we've done, playlists, et cetera, et cetera. So many perks. I just sent out a whole bunch of stickers to everybody. Um, so again, if you're interested in, uh, supporting the podcast financially, which is very helpful because I basically refuse to have ads on this podcast, really don't want to go there, really sick of things being sponsored in my life after 10 years in the natural products industry, having a food blog. Um, 
I want this to be supported by you guys. I want to answer to you guys. <laughs> I want this to be our community, um, not something that a company is paying for. Not to say there aren't great companies, but just not my vibe. So if you'd like to support the podcast financially and become um, more involved with other listeners and the community that we're creating together, patreon.com slash Anya Kotz is the place to do that. And today I'm going to play you in. This is the first time I'm doing this and I have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> I'm going to play you in with a song I've already played on the podcast, but it was a long, long time ago. I played it in an episode that I did with Mark Jones, who's a psychologist and an astrologer. Highly recommend that episode. Um, but it's a song called Morning Sun by Melody Gardo. And it makes me just so fucking happy. And um, I could not help but play it again today. When I was doing the tea course with Mariana, the tea that she chooses for each course is a mystery tea. So we don't know what the tea that we're drinking is until the very end of the course. And I loved this part, I gotta say. This may have been like the, the one thing that really convinced me to sign up because feeling into something, feeling into the energy of something, experiencing something without words or language or definitions or any of that stuff is my jam. Um, so I was really looking forward to discovering this tea. And it was interesting because I um, sat down for the tea practice and I was facing east every day and my tea bowl had this um, sort of very special thing that happened to it in the firing. Mariana sends out tea bowls and mine was um, had these sort of gold specks all throughout and the tea itself um, was gold and black and I just got like the most regal sun-drenched um, rising sun, morning sun. Um, I'm a big fiery person for those of you that haven't taken an astrology course with me. Lots of fire in my chart and I feel very connected to that element and I got so much of that vibe from the tea, just the rising sun. So I'm not going to tell you what the tea is in case Mariana uses this tea in the future, um, but I wanted to play this song because I feel like it was so symbolic of how I felt during that whole month and really how symbolic, this was so symbolic of how I felt during my entire dark night of the soul. Like despite all odds, I really did believe that there was going to be a light that I would see somewhere at the end of this dark, dark tunnel that I was walking through. So I hope this song brings you some comfort and to some joy to know that the day always begins again. Our lives can always begin again. And if you'd like to learn more about tea and um, start your own tea practice, Mariana is enrolling for a new round, which I highly recommend. Um, I think the way that she teaches this course is, at least for me, pretty perfect. It's, again, not really steeped in all this knowledge and information. It's really about figuring out what the practice is for you individually and then exploring the details and the information later. Uh, so highly recommend that. Again, this song is Morning Sun by Melody Gardot. Um, if you would like to have access to all of the songs that I've ever played on the podcast, there is a Millennial's Guide to Saving the World playlist on Spotify that you can subscribe to. And on Patreon, I have about eight additional private playlists that I offer there. So if you're into the music I play, I recommend that. Please enjoy this song. Please enjoy this conversation with Mariana. And I will catch you all, lovely people, on the other side.
I am here with Mariana, and I am very excited. Um, sometimes I'm afraid, like, I'm not sure how myself and the guest are going to carry on a conversation for over an hour, but in this case, I feel like we're going to have to, like, be really careful. Cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I took uh, Start Your Own Tea Practice with Mariana um, in January, and I'd actually mm-hmm. reached out to her initially just to have her on the podcast, and then found myself taking her tea course, which I'm really glad that I did. And now we get to have a conversation um, with me being a bit more like educated and having some experience about tea. So that's cool. Um, And I think, yeah, we're, what are we like a month apart in age? Like we're very close. I think so. You're, um, you're in August, right? Yeah. August 17th. Oh yeah. We're actually exactly a month apart. I'm July 17th. Um, like that's why it was relevant (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I feel like we have a lot in common in terms of the ways we sort of approach the world and see the world and just even Mm -hmm. approach our lives in a way and there's been a lot of like bizarre synchronicities in our experience so we'll get into all of that um but yeah why don't you start a little bit like telling people a bit about yourself (laughs) and who you are and what you do (laughs) great great will do hi everyone my name is Mariana Um, and I am a tea ceremonialist and tea guide teacher, um, here in Boulder, Colorado. I've been living here for about three years and I feel like I've lived many, many, many lives. Um, so to tell you a little bit about my background, I'm half Venezuelan, half American. I was raised in Hong Kong. So very international in that way. And as an adult, I've spent most of my time in New York and Miami before moving out here to the mountains. Um, and I live like a little bit of a secluded life. I'm just looking out on my deck. I, um, have a house here on 10 acres in the forest and, um, spend most of my time here drinking tea, (laughs) hanging out with my two cats. (laughs) Let's uh, put it simply. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like you might have like the prettiest podcast setup of anyone ever. Mariana, for those of you who obviously oh. can't see her, but she's at her tea table drinking tea and there's like flowers and a cat. It's like the most picturesque, <laughs> beautiful thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I do everything before or after drinking tea. It's like, how do I drop into whatever wants to come out? I drink tea and then I just start talking. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how did you talk? I would love for you to talk a little bit about how tea came into your life and how you sort of decided or if you did or if it just sort of chose you, how you really decided to follow that path. Yeah, I feel like tea. So, yeah, just also to kind of base in a little bit. So right now I teach a tea course called Start Your Own Tea Practice. It teaches people how to have a tea practice at home, which was really something that came out of covid in quarantine because usually we drink tea together in community and obviously we weren't able to do that anymore when quarantine started and um and so people needed to learn how to do it on their own and that's kind of how my offering to the world was born but for me finding tea was like a long story I was I always say my tea story is a love story Um, and a long one, because as I mentioned, I grew up in Hong Kong. So I was around tea a lot in my life, both from a Chinese 
tradition and from a British perspective. So afternoon tea, that's actually my first real love with tea was afternoon tea. Um, and I just, I always really loved tea and I wanted to get to know it better, but every time we'd go to tea shops, just something wasn't resonating with me, even as a child. It just felt like there were a lot of, there's just so much choice. There are so many different teapots and so many tea gadgets and so many different types of tea. And I, even to this day, I'm a minimalist through and through. So, you know, even as a child, I was just overwhelmed. And I felt like there was just something missing. Like, obviously this is important. Look at everything that's been built around this plant. Or, you know, back then I wouldn't even have thought of it like that. I would have just thought of it as a beverage. So obviously it was important, but no one could really answer that question. So I never ended up getting like a tea set or a tea this or anything. I, but I just had this love for tea. So then, you know, as I grew up, people would ask me, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? And I'd just be like, what do I want? What do I like? I'd be like, oh, tea. I want tea stuff. And I'd get all these tea gadgets and all these teas, which some of them weren't even technically tea. And I just wouldn't use them. <laughs> so... I, you know, I had like these strainers. I don't know. Have you seen that? It feels so old school to me now, but like Tivana used to make this tea strainer thing that you'd just like put on your mug and then you could have loose leaf tea or like these tea tumblers. A lot of them were plastic, <laughs> which is something that I wasn't really into. Um, I used to work like you in the natural foods industry. So I'd go to the tea, to the trade shows and I'd go to all the tea booths and I'd be like, what's the new tea? And I was like really into it, but it, nothing stuck. And I remember I think I was like 25 or something. And I, um, was in my little 475 square foot studio in Brooklyn. And one of my entire kitchen cabinets, like the whole thing over the sink, which is like prime real estate. If you opened it, it was just like full of tea <laughs> and tea crap. <laughs> I call it tea crap. And I remember I was like leaving that apartment and I just thought to myself, I'm not, I don't really like tea. This is my ego. I'm so full of shit. Like, look at, I would be drinking it if I liked it. And I just threw it all away. Um, I just grabbed a trash bag. I put it all in there and I threw it all away. And, and I just like said goodbye. I was like, this isn't an actual thing for me. And so then fast forward, maybe a year and a half later, two years later, um, I was riding around listening to a podcast in my car and they were, the hosts were talking about a retreat that they'd just led and how tea ceremony was being served at the retreat. And I hadn't really like heard, like I'd heard of tea ceremony before, but not in this way. And they just were going really deep into tea ceremony, how it was like the best part. And they were describing it. And I was just listening and I'm like, Oh my God, how did I miss this retreat? Like, I think this is it. And I was just like making all these big changes in my life. Like I was finally moving away from New York. I broke up with my boyfriend, like all this stuff. I had a job that was paying me quite well at the time. And I was like, I'm going to go on this retreat to finally go to a tea ceremony. So it was kind of 
like when I look back on it, I'm a little bit shocked by it, but I, you know, I spent seven grand to go on a retreat to go to one tea ceremony, <laughs> just one. That's it. Like, I didn't care about anything else on the retreat. I was like, okay, cool. It's like yoga, it's vegan food. It's like, you know, stuff that like matches me, but I was like there and I like signed up and I emailed the producer and I was like, how many tea ceremonies am I allowed to go to? Um, <laughs> like what day should I sign up for it? I signed up for like the first one on the first day. Like that's all I cared about. And I went out there and finally sat my first tea ceremony and I've been drinking tea ceremonially ever since. So it was not, <laughs> it wasn't just my ego. <laughs> I was just like looking for the way. And I fell in love with tea on that retreat and my life, I've been living a life of tea ever since. Yeah. It's like being on the right mountain, but like the wrong trail or something. It's like so close. Totally. Totally. And it's funny. Cause like this last round of start your own tea practice that you were in, I was doing, um, a class to promote it on ritual, the difference between rituals and routines. And I'm like, okay, I have to promote this thing. And so I'm going to look up some quotes. I'm going to have find a quote. I'm going to look up a quote about rituals. Mm-hmm. And I like type in Google ritual quote. And then it like, I know this is like great marketing. <laughs> it's like really from the heart. <laughs> and when you're launching something, you're just like, fuck man, I need a break. Yeah. So Google ritual quote. And the first thing that comes up is like Goodreads quotes on rituals. So I click and the first quote is literally about tea ceremony Mm. or tea ritual. And I'm like, what? And I look to see what book it is. And it's, um, it's this book called the elegance of the hedgehog, which is a book that someone had been really trying to get me to read when I was 20. And she lent me the book, like one of my friends, she like lent it to me and I pretended like I was reading it, even though I wasn't. And I always felt really guilty about it. And this book has like followed me throughout, like for some reason, this one, I always felt guilty. And every time I'm in a bookstore, I'm like, there it is, there it is, there it is. And, um, and when I found that, I realized like in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, T was looking for me too. Mm-hmm. You know, and like how it really is just this synchronous, like it's going to happen at some time. But all of those years that I was like going to the trade shows and asking for tea gifts, like tea was there too. And I just wasn't opening the door um, and trying to like figure it out in a very linear way instead of being, you know, just like allowing for things to find me and just opening my awareness up to things that maybe like to a book that maybe I personally wouldn't have chosen. But the reason, even though she didn't know it, the reason this person was so adamant to me about reading this book is because literally it could have been a gateway into what I'm doing with my life and my life's purpose now. So it's really interesting to continue to uncover all of the ways in which we, T and I as beings, were already interacting much longer than just this like linear, sweet little story. For sure. Yeah. I feel like not specifically with tea, but I have so many moments in my own life about that too. And also it's just such a good lesson as far as trusting the timing of something, you know, like had you picked up that book earlier, like maybe it wouldn't have hit you in the same way that it did once you find, you know, um, totally. So why don't we talk a little bit about, um, because I'm sure a lot of people are not familiar with what a tea ceremony 
or tea ritual is. Yeah. And I know it's like, it's probably hard to describe, uh, much easier to just do it, but, um, how yeah. do you describe it to people? Yeah. I mean, I would say the function's pretty easy to describe the magic, not so much, but we can just say functionally a tea ceremony is a space where we're drinking tea, uh, multiple bowls, you know, sometimes like six to 10 bowls of tea in meditative silence. Okay. So a moving meditation ceremony with tea. Um, and in that, you know, tea in this way is seen as a medicine, a plant medicine versus a beverage. So, uh, tea has beautiful medicinal properties, um, especially around the heart and opening the heart. Um, and so, in the ceremony, it's different than just like a regular meditation or a different type of moving meditation because we're actually drinking a plant that is changing us. So if we were to think about like coffee, for example, when I drink coffee, I'm activated. Well, when I drink tea, my heart opens, I'm grounded, I'm centered in myself. So our being is actually changing during the meditation as well. And there's so many different types of tea, different types of brewing methods. So this can, you know, that's a very broad definition this can change in different ways, but essentially we're coming together in community to drink tea in silence and meditation. You can have and, music on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The music is great. Um, yeah. And, and can you talk also a little bit about the history of tea? And um, I think probably I was also totally ignorant to this. Like it was, so ridiculous too like that people don't know that tea is a plant they just think that tea is something infused in water yeah totally so essentially in okay so I kind of like to give the example for people who are at least here in this country but you know, we came to the United States or to the Americas we thought we were in India and we met these local people started calling them Indians And then realized that we weren't in India and didn't stop calling them Indians. And so now we call them Indians still. And then there's people in India who I'm sure are like, actually, I'm Indian. But it's very similar to this. It's like a colonial um, misnomer. And then we don't really correct ourselves after the fact. But um, tea... ah, There's so many there. Tea is originally, it's a plant from China. I'm from Western China, from an area called Yunnan. Um, But now tea is grown throughout China. And um, when the British took tea to the West, um, they didn't really know much about it. Tea was a a bit of a stolen plant in that way. They were able able to get some. They brought it to their colonies to start growing. Um, And which is why you have tea, you know, in India and Sri Lanka, that being said, there is actually tea native to parts of India, but it's not the type that they grow now. They still brought in their um, the plants from China. And they didn't really know anything about the plants. So they started producing, they could they produced this tea and they didn't know how to process it because so much of tea is like it's tea is this is a plant that has evolved alongside humans. So even the processing of teas, it's very human and nature together. Right. So, um, they're able to produce this bitter, this dark, bitter tea 
which required a lot of milk and sugar to make it taste good. And so, um, and even in that, they call it like black tea, because that's kind of what they could do. But black tea is um, actually red tea, originally. <laughs> this is where we get into the naming thing, like the Native Americans and Indians. Um, when we realized that it wasn't black tea, we never corrected ourselves. So there's a lot of misinformation in tea. There's a lot of you know, how it exists in the West versus how it exists in the East. Um, and in that it also lost its un, like the understanding of tea as a medicine, right? It became a beverage. Um, or sometimes when people are signing up for start your own tea practice, they talk about, oh, I want to stop drinking coffee. So I'm going to start drinking tea. And this is very much looking at tea as a beverage instead of a medicine. And it's one of my joys to bring tea back into its glory is like, this is a medicine, actually one of the original medicines in Chinese medicine. So, um, the, uh, so, so there's that kind of misunderstanding. And then the one that you were really talking about around what even is tea. So all of that being said, we bring tea and we steep it in water, create this beverage. And then that word started being used to describe any plant steeped in water. And so even now, when we talk about tea, someone might not be talking about the plant tea. They might be talking about mint or chamomile or lavender. These are not teas. There's actually a plant called tea. So if we we're going to use that same structure, we'd call it tea tea. Um, but in a lot of different languages and a lot of and some other cultures, even though it's going away now, it's we we'd call that an infusion, an herbal infusion. Uh, but as the as tea became so popular, tea is the most drunk beverage in the world. So it makes sense as to why people have such a big understanding of tea being a plant being steeped in water, because a lot of the times it is the plant tea. Um, that's actually not what we're talking about here. So we were talking specifically about the plant Camellia sinensis in tea. Yeah. <laughs> I, rem- I feel There's like a when, lot I, there. when I took the course, it was like I was that like brain explosion emoji. It was just like, oh my God, like I can't even. I mean, totally. I fully, fully expected, obviously, to like learn ritual around tea. But I think like understanding that this was a specific plant with a specific history mm-hmm. was really key to sort of like the the sort of like reverence, I think, became a bit deeper yeah the connection became a bit deeper Mm -hmm. the history the age the wisdom all of that stuff um sort of hit me different than I thought you know for me it was like oh I'm like really bad at meditation so this is like a moving meditation this will be helpful Mm -hmm. and that was true um but there was this whole other component I think specifically in the connection to nature that I didn't expect and that also you Mm -hmm. focused on a lot um yeah so why don't we talk a little bit about that? Um, I, as one of our book clubs that I do for my patrons for the podcast, we mm-hmm. all read Braiding Sweetgrass. So at least a handful oh, cool. of the people listening are familiar. Amazing. Um, but I would love for you to talk a little bit how tea sort of fits into that, um, what that framework is for you and how, mm. and how starting your own tea practice or doing a tea ceremony can actually be a mode by which to connect to nature. Yeah, totally. I mean, 
I, it's funny because these, the topics in braiding sweetgrass and more of these indi- the indigenous wisdom here in this continent, um, has really come up in my life more recently than my tea practice. And for me, you know, when you think about tea and tea ceremony, it's much more steeped in Zen and Taoism, um, definitely nature medicine in that way, but also like in the sense that Taoism is a nature practice. Um, and so for me, when I first got into tea is very much more in that space in Zen, in meditation, definitely connecting with tea as medicine, but much more in my human world than in my nature world. Um, it helped me connect so much with myself and we say about tea is the great connector connects us to ourselves, community and nature. So self and community was really a big part of my early days with tea. And then, um, when I moved out to Colorado and moved to this like a middle of nowhere spot and was so in alignment with nature, just in my surroundings, I started to feel this really different quality from tea. This, um, I started to see tea as a bridge between me and nature, which I guess we'd all always said, like it connects you to nature. But before it was connecting me to nature with my mind. Right. So, you know, I had things like, you know, I was low waste back. I mean, I still actually, I am low waste. I was zero waste back then. I was very extreme back then. Um, I was vegan. I cared about the environment. Uh, recycling, sustainability, you know, I cared about these things in a very human, rational way. Um, but it wasn't until like moving out here and just drinking tea in nature every day that I started to feel this connection that was deeper than that. And I kind of explain it. We talked about this in the course, but it's almost like at first I kind of understood humans are nature on a mental level. Like, yes, we're also natural beings. Um, but I didn't really understand that in my body. And then I started to see nature is alive, you know, like this lack of separation. And, um, in that I, this happens a lot. I started to see, um, nature is better than humans, right? I started to see like, Oh, humans suck. Nature is amazing. We're fucking everything up. Um, and I just started to see like, like put nature on a pedestal. And then over time, I realized like we're actually all the same. So really understanding that, on a fundamental level, a tree's life is just as important as mine, but it's not more important. (laughs) You know, this is the thing that we like to do is we like to be like, Oh, it's the nature would be better off without us humans, which isn't really true. And so over the years, if this is making any sense over the years, these are the contemplations that started coming up in my tea practice 
And a big part of what, of my belief as to why is because I'm literally drinking trees every day. Right. Every day I'm bringing nature into my body. We think of tea as like, uh, tea is just something that's in a bag that makes us feel a certain way. But the truth is tea, these are the leaves of trees. And some of these trees are very old. You know, we have this idea in the West that tea comes from these little bushes and these little, you know, and these cute little farms that they put in the package. But yes, some tea trees are bushes, but tea trees can also be 50 feet tall with roots just as deep that can live thousands of years. And so, you know, I was just in Egypt a few weeks ago. And the oldest tea tree alive right now is 3,500 years old. And I, that was part of my contemplation. Like that tree is older than some of these sites, than some of these ancient temples that humans created that were like, oh, it's from another time. Imagine the tree that was alive back then. And so we might not be drinking that tree. Um, but for example, you know, I have a tea here, one of my favorite teas from trees that are 900 years old and those leaves, like the amount of understanding and wisdom they have from a time when humans weren't how we are now, um, it's, it, you're literally drinking that in every day. Even if you're just drinking a tree that's 40 years old, like the world was really different 40 years ago. And it's just been, been there holding space and watching and being and being tolerant and humble and riding the waves of change in this world. And then I'm drinking that every day. <laughs> so, of course, I'm going to start being some of that wisdom as well. I'm going to start just feeling it and understanding it and seeing things from a different perspective other than my own. So I like to think of tea in that way as like this really beautiful bridge to nature and this like beautiful translator. Like I feel like she's here to remind us of these universal truths and she's the one that's that's here being like, yeah, nature's alive. And if I can see tea as my friend, if I can see tea as my lover, if I can see tea as my therapist or whatever relationship you have when you come to your tea table every day, then I'm going to be able to see the rest of nature in that way as well. And I don't say this from like a, I say this from a very, like my personal opinion on tea is that tea as a plant spirit is a badass. And <laughs> I say this because like, Tea is the most drunk beverage in the world. Wars have been fought over tea. You know, how many plants can you say that about? So tea volunteering in that, she, is, she has already affected all of us. What I do in my work is just help us see her, right? That's what we're not seeing. We're not actually seeing the being. So... Um, so, and again, once we see her as a being and she becomes such an important being in our lives, all of a sudden the rest of nature is, our hearts have opened to seeing the rest of nature in that same way. All of a sudden our curiosity is piqued to know, oh, well, if tea is like this for me, I wonder what this plant is like for me. I wonder what that animal is like. And these are, you know, some of, this is a more, uh, indigenous native way to see the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to talk about tea as a plant medicine more. Um, I feel like we've both 
had conversations and experiences of like both of us. Like I've never been really into psychedelics, not to say I'm not into them. I've just been very mm-hmm. cautious and very patient and like allowing them to come mm-hmm. to me instead of the other way around. Um, and I feel like to some degree, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this, but there's something, especially I think about American culture and it's sort of like consumerism and like wanting to do the best, biggest, most intense thing all the time that we sort of Mm -hmm. took this direct line to these, you know, much more, the experience in and of itself could be seen as much more intense. Um, But we sort of have sidestepped these other plants as a result. Um, And and I don't know if it's because of like how sensitive I am. Um, But to me, it's like tea is so powerful as a medicine mm-hmm. in that respect. So I would love to talk about that a little more and, and, and if it relates to um, tea as a she and like, what does that mean for, uh, mm. when you, when you say that? Yeah. Yeah. The plant medicine world. It's so funny. I've had people come to my house for tea because I serve tea publicly, not since quarantine, but I used to serve yeah. many ceremonies a week and sometimes rare, maybe having like three times someone would interrupt right before we start. They're like, Are, is this mushroom tea? <laughs> Something like that. And I'm just like, nope, it's just tea. <laughs> just tea tea. <laughs> and it's always funny because I'm just like, wow, you would think that I would tell them, <laughs> you know, right. like, yeah. but we live in a society where maybe that's not the case. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I mean, we are definitely an extreme culture and we, these plants are coming to life and coming to help us heal. You know, there's, of course, like the ayahuasca world, um, peyote, San Pedro, mushrooms, what have you, even other animals now combo, things like that coming out to help us clear out and see things. And I think there is a beauty in the wake up. Um, but again, I'm, I, I'm a bit more like you. Um, I don't really put that much in my body. And I think just like anything else, we can see plants as a band-aid, you know, oh, now this is going to fix me. And in our society, we have this belief structure that is in order to be worthy of something, I must suffer. Like that's just a thing in the, in the Western world. So I have to, let's say, if I'm going to earn a lot of money, I have to suffer to earn it. And if I made a lot of money, I'm going to defend myself by saying I suffered. Well, I suffered more than you. So I deserve more money. Right. I used to have that one like real deep in my system. (laughs) Um, You know, and so I think a lot of times these more intense plant medicines, especially something like ayahuasca, that's going to make you purge that you don't feel that great during the ceremony. It makes it, it fits into Mm -hmm. that thinking of like, well, I'm going to heal more if I suffer more. I'm going to be more happy if I suffer to get there, right? And so in that, I think these medicines are sexy. They're also like not as accessible, becoming more and more accessible, but they're like a little covert, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to like sneak around, you got to prepare, you're like going to your like, you know, you're doing your dieta, all this stuff. And then something like tea, 
is available, readily available. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, tea might not be as sexy and it's not going to take you like the thing too, is you have to, you collaborate with tea, right? If you're going to, if you're going to go do an ayahuasca ceremony, she's taken you where you're going. Right. She, you're not, you're yes, being dragged. That being, <laughs> you're being yeah. dragged. Yeah. That being said, I'm a big believer that you can always make your request to the medicine and yeah. say, sweet medicine. Can you go easy on me tonight? I want to learn my lessons the easy way. Right. Mm-hmm. But in general it's, um, and it's not something you can do every day. Right. It's not something that you can, that if I'm having a crisis today that I didn't know I was going to have today, I can't just be like, speed dial a shaman and have an ayahuasca ceremony. Like there are things you prepare for there. It's just like totally different. And then when we come to something like tea, you know, and this is where I think tea is really underestimated (laughs) as a badass. Um, Tea is so stealth that she's working on us and we don't even realize it. So again, tea, most drunk beverage in the world, a colonial plant. Wars fought over her. That's pretty badass, right? So we have kind of this setting the stage. And then like old trees, deep medicine, deep history with humans. Beautiful. And even when you think about when do you drink tea, like what does tea do? It's like, okay, well, even if I'm just drinking tea out of a tea bag, my friend comes over. So let's have some tea. Connection, right? Mm -hmm. My, I'm not feeling that great. I go to my grandma's house. I'm just like, I'm heartbroken. She's like, let me make you a cup of tea. Connection to self connection, like heart healing. Um, we think about there, you know, even in like the UK, it's like, oh, let me put on the kettle. Let me put on the kettle. Let me put on the kettle. Right. It's all tea. This is all for tea. So she's actually like really in our culture, but And she's doing her work. Her medicine's happening because she's connecting us. She's opening our hearts. She's softening us. Like what she wants to happen is happening, but we're not saying, ah, I want to, this is a ceremony. Okay. So as a human, we're not intentionally saying, I know that this being is doing this for me. And this is why I'm connecting. And like a lot of times we're also not in meditation during it, but sometimes we are. So he's super badass in that way. And that like, she's already doing her work. And this is, um, this is something that's been really humbling for me and my experience of sharing tea more is that, is this understanding, you know, we call people tea people if you're in the tea community or tea person, but really this deep understanding that we're all already tea people, you know, I'm not introducing anyone to tea she's got that, you know, she doesn't need a shaman. (laughs) She doesn't need someone in the middle. We're already doing it. And, um, there's a lot of access to tea in that way. Um, and I, and I really, I don't think that's an accident. (laughs) I think from the colonial times, tea's like, yeah, I want to help. So the same way we're seeing now, you know, they say the shamans say the plants are coming out because they're here to heal. They're here to help us remember. This is why all of a sudden plants like ayahuasca are so popular. I think tea was doing that hundreds of years ago saying, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. I'm here to open hearts. And so, um, yeah, I, 
that's like kind of the first thing I'll just say about tea as a plant medicine in general compared to these other plants. I like to preface, there's a lot that we're not, there's a lot underneath the surface that we can take for granted. And even me as someone who's been drinking tea for many years in ceremony, I, this is literally just in the past few months that I'm really understanding this about her. Um, and then, you know, tea, if we think of her as a plant medicine and her properties, it's funny, sometimes I, I'm going to say them really generally, but um, because I think it's really important for people to have their own experiences with plant medicines, but um, she's a heart medicine. She's actually uh, the first, the first uh, Chinese medicinal herbs. And back in the day, there were doctors who would only use tea to treat people because the thing about tea is that there's many different types so tea can be processed in different ways and be aged and fermented and come from different areas and get morning sun or evening sun. And this all impacts the medicine. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm drinking a green tea or a black tea or a red tea, I'm gonna, it's going to have different effects on me. And so you can use tea to treat, to bring yourself into balance. And that's what I would do. Like, it's hard to do that up front because you really have to get to know tea, but you get to a place where, you know, if you were coming over to my house for tea, the first thing I would say is, Anya, how are you feeling? And it's like, want to check in. How are you feeling? And, and then I contemplate, is there something here that Anya needs to be brought into balance in some way? And then what's the right tea that's going to help you with that? If you come in and you're just like, I have so much energy. And then I like serve you the most energizing tea I have. It's going <laughs> to blow you out. Right. So yeah. I'm like, cool. Maybe I'll just like ground her in a little bit. And tea has that much variety. It's kind of like the first time I saw you the first time I, we met that when I came to Crestone, that tea I served you was more of a grounding tea. We didn't have as much of a choice cause I didn't have as many, but, um, you know, that one's a good one. Cause people are often more sensitive to activation than they are to grounding. Yeah. I'm also mostly more on the energized side. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? That's another thing that our culture has very extreme on the energy and we don't slow down that much. That's another good medicine of tea, just slowing you the fuck down. <laughs> you know, I think about when I think about the qualities of tea and tea ceremony sometimes it's just like hard to even share because sharing feels so the opposite of the quality that you get when you're there because it's just like stop talking right you know so simple right. and here we are talking about it right but you know just taking time aside for yourself slowing down like stopping not doing anything. Um, the, this is like the medicine of the ritual as well as the plant, but, um, that's like the beauty of ceremony versus just drinking tea as you're going about your day. Right. Um, but yeah, so tea is a Chinese medicine, you know, it's been, it's been a medicine for a very long time. Um, and its original use was around, um, being a heart and soul tonic, um, what we call a shun tonic for the spirit. And so it, the original, um, 
the original use for tea in the Materia Medica was to brighten the eyes, Mm. to brighten the eyes and the eyes are the seat of the soul. So this is the connection here. Um, but if we, it's really just like this heart opener, this heart connector. And, and what I, the, again, there are so many different teas. They're going to have different impacts on different people. But what I will say, and I don't like to give too much away yeah. about the experience because <laughs> again, like it's going to be different for everyone. And I think it's really important that we remember how to tune into plants without someone telling us what it means. Right. Um, but what I will say is T's like my best friend. She's like a grandmother. Um, and she opens my heart. And every day when I leave my tea table, I remember that everything's okay. Even when it's not okay, that it's going to be okay. And I think that's really like the grandmother medicine of her is just like, you trust when your grandma says things are going to be okay because she's 90 and she's lived through it. And she is a living example of everything being okay. And I think tea just has this beautiful grounding uh, ability to bring me into the present moment and stop getting me to try and change the world around me, but just to just like be in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely been my experience too. And I think it's actually something I, cause I teach astrology, which, you know, very different, mm-hmm. but like, I think we're all sort of trying, so many people are trying to come to tea or come to astrology or come to some other kind of plant medicine for like answers or information that they don't know mm-hmm. or like predicting the future. And to me, these tools, the way that I've experienced them and the way that I think they hold value is Like, I can't tell you how many times I sit down to the tea table with, like, a thought or a question. And it's always, like, you know, like, yes, like, you know, you're, you have, like, you're good. You're on the Mm -hmm. right path. Or, yes, that's the right answer. Or, like, you, it's just, it's just that reinforcing of intuition. It's not, like, here's a bunch of information Mm. necessarily. It's, like, the grounding in the knowing that I think perhaps at one time we were a bit more in touch with, but now because we're so busy and because there's so much going on Mm -hmm. and because, you know, we have a culture that basically like teaches us how to not listen to our intuition, you know, like when we're kids, like I'm not hungry, eat anyway. Like I'm not tired, sleep anyway. It's just like we're so far. And I feel like so many of these tools if used properly are actually just like reminders of our, of our knowing already that we have inside us. It helps bring that out. Yeah, totally. And I think tea is really great in that way because she gives you the space. You actually have the space to do it and you're drinking more tea. You're not just like drinking one cup of tea um, and then waiting for effects, right? You, You keep going, you keep going. And and as the tea's changing you and grounding you and helping you be okay with what's happening, then you're, then you're given the space to actually see how you feel and let that just bubble up to the surface with no intention, right. with no, like, you know, I might come to the tea table feeling one way and through just the spaciousness, I, I end up somewhere else. It's not like I'm like, oh, if I don't get the answer to this question right now, then I failed. <laughs> Sometimes the answer is, oh, that wasn't actually very relevant. That was just something my mind wanted to freak out about. Um, 
So integration, I think, yeah, if I had to say one word in that, it would be integration. He is really a beautiful integration of life. And also back to our mention of other medicines, it's a beautiful integration for other medicines too. It's a beautiful thing to sit down after you go through an intense ceremony with a different plant medicine and just drink tea and see what comes up. And I like to say it's like the difference of what I saw or what I know to what it means. A lot of times, as you said, like with astrology or this, we have all these facts about ourselves, but it's like, what does it mean? There's no meaning there. It's like, oh, I'm a cancer. So that means that I'm emotional and I'm sensitive and I like to hide in my shell. But like, what does that mean? How does this integrate into my life instead of just being something else, some new label that I throw onto me, onto myself? Totally. Yeah. Um, and I'd love for you to talk about your decision in, because I mean, especially in this day and age, I think we both have like we're more on the politically incorrect side of, of issues <laughs> when it comes to like privilege and all of that. But I feel like there's just a very like woke and it's legitimate. I think like, you know, there we're trying to integrate all of these sort of like native indigenous practices without necessarily having the context or the reverence or the experience for doing it. Um, but at the same time, I think that can go too far in the opposite direction, which is like, this is too inaccessible because like you need all these tools or like I need to be this shaman or work with this person. And I feel like the way that you taught your course was like the information was so whittled down. It was so much about allowing all of us to have our own experience. And of course that was um, cushioned with some information and some history about tea, but it wasn't like here are all the tools and here's all the ways you have to exactly do this. Um, so yeah. I'm just interested to hear how you've thought about that in terms of like one, on the one hand, like paying respect for the tradition and the, you know, where it came from, but also not having that be something that keeps people from doing it and really allowing people to like, and yourself too, like how did, how, how is your tea practice sort of become your own unique Mariana thing, you know? Mm. That's a big question. So my tea practice is based in Chinese tea ceremony through my teacher, Wuda. Um, he has taught me tea. Um, his students have taught me tea. And that is the tea ceremony that I practice. Um, there is no Mariana's version. I practice that tea ceremony. And I think that that's really important. My perspective, what I get out of it, what tea, what what I share about tea through this ritual is different, right? Because right? yeah. I'm my own human, and I'm definitely impacted. While the, you know, my tea teacher taught me tea ritual. My spiritual teacher, who um, carries indigenous nature ways, she ha that has informed my tea practice. And these are two very different things, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that the form and how I serve tea every day changes, but it means how I'm connecting to this plant and how I show up in the world might be different than someone who's approaching it from a different way. Right. Okay. So, um, but I am, I would say as much as I'm like, yes, have your experience, build your own relationship to tea. 
I'm not a person who says create your own ritual. Yeah. Um, and that I think is the, that's the part of honoring and where I see that we come into issues in this type of thing is, um, through identifying, like putting traditions or rituals or plants or practices onto ourselves as identities. So I mentioned how we're like tea people, right? But one of the things I've noticed is the more I drink tea, the less of a tea person I want to be because tea shows me who I am. And I'm like, being Mariana is really great. I want to be me. I want to be more me. So I drink tea every day and I work with her every day, but she's just like holding up a mirror to me. And, um, but when we, we become rigid, when we start identifying with things, we become rigid. All of a sudden, your way's wrong. My way's right. You're this. You're not doing it right. Who do you think you are? Like, all of this stuff comes up. And so I think the more we can identify as ourselves and the less we can identify with, like, just putting things on. And this is a saying, I think I share this in Start Your Own Tea Practice, but... Um, you know, there's a saying, a man of the world puts something on every day and a man of the Tao takes something off. And this is something I contemplate all the time. Am I putting this identity on? No, I want to take it all off because as I said before, being a human is as valid as being nature. So when we're in this space where we're now, oh, we remembered nature, we're so reverential of these plants. Well, being a human is just as big of an honor as being a plant, right? Being this, an amazing transformational plant. I have that same power and ability in myself to affect change, to heal, to do whatever I want. Right. So again, like when we put a being on ourselves, that's not even witnessing the being, you can't like force that being has free will. So, you know, you'll see this this was a really big thing that came up in the last round, which surprised me a lot, which is um, people who have been using marijuana for a long time, not using it anymore. And I personally don't work with that plant. Um, and a lot of people are offended by the fact that I don't work with it. I don't even use CBD. And People, they think I'm against them when I say that, but it's actually I'm for the plant because I had an experience where the plant very clearly said to me, I'm not your medicine. I'm not your medicine. And I was like, oh, got it. And it was a very uncomfortable, I'm not going to lie, it was a very uncomfortable way <laughs> to learn that lesson. Yeah. But I honored it. I honored it. I'm like, cool. I hear you. And I'm, and that is like relationship to other that's healthy, right. Versus being like, but I really need those benefits. Right. Then all of a sudden, you know, we're just, we're taking advantage of, we're, we're putting our human mind above the will of everything else. So, you know, I, when I think of, um, when I think of tea and tea ceremony, I really trust how the ceremony it has, is has been taught and held and created and the intention around it. And so I don't mess with that. 
that to me is like T saying, this is how I want you to drink me. It's not the only way that T wants to be drunk. There's other T lineages, other ways to drink tea too. And they're all beautiful, but this is the one that I have chosen. And so I'm going to drink tea in this way and I'm not going to screw it up. I have a picture of my teacher in my tea space. And every time I decide, I, I decide to slack off or something like that. I just look over at him and I'm like, Okay, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> he keeps his little picture keeps me accountable. <laughs> um, and this is and this is like also honoring humans. So it means that when I do something the same way, and this is in all rituals across all traditions, we are connecting through time and space with all the other people in the past, in the present, and in the future who are doing the same thing. So we're not alone. We get to do it with other with the energy and support of all beings. Beautiful. Um, and I, and, you know, on the appropriation front, one of the beautiful experiences I've had is people from China staying here at my home, um, that I didn't know that I serve tea that are in tears. You know, they say this is more authentic than what we can get back home now. A lot of places are losing their culture. So when we can really show up with reverence for that and not say it's mine, not try and put it on. This is just like, I'm just like another human partaking in this energy field of tea that's been happening way longer than I can even imagine, um, then we can just like be more, you know, we can be empty. We can show up to the medicine without our human getting in the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Were you going to ask a question? (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, that was a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, it was interesting hearing you talk about, you know, like having that experience with marijuana of like, this is not my medicine or hearing this is not your medicine. Um, and, and I remember in the book club discussion that we had after reading Braiding Sweetgrass, there were so many people that, you know, were like, it seems it's so, it's such a crazy concept to think about like going outside and asking the tree if it's okay to cut it down, you know, that (laughs) like, Right. Like I get that conceptually, but in real life, like what totally. am I supposed to listen for? You know, um, and it's such a felt yeah, it's hard. experience and an intuitive experience. And I think, you know, I mean, you can do that with just asking a plant if, like, this is the plant for me. But also in asking the plant any other question, you know, like there's something about mm-hmm. tea because it is super accessible and um, not particularly overwhelming, um, that it really does give you like, okay, this is what it's like to communicate with a plant, you know, like in real time, in real life. Um, and then sort of take that relationship and bring that out, right? Like bring that out to the rest of the plants and start sort of just interacting with plants in that way. Um, like the tea, tea is such a sort of because we're drinking it, because we're sitting there, because we're in meditation, um, you know, we are really in this relationship that that's sort of like a, a really good starting point, I think, for people that are confused about how to talk to a tree. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, and I think too, I mean, one of the beautiful things about tea is we say tea wants to be human, right? Tea has opted in. Tea's mm-hmm. like some of these other plants, they haven't necessarily opted in as much as like we've discovered them, but tea, there's a story and it really shows the opposite. I'm not going to share it here because there's something I share in course, not in um, public. This is a way to hold reverence, right? Mm. 
not everything is for everyone in every instance. Humans like to know a lot and prove how much we know. So then we tend to share, overshare. Um, And I think one of the things with, with, so T in general is, has like opted in. T's not saying to people like, you're not my medicine or I'm not your medicine. Get away from me. T's like, everyone drink me. That's why she's the most drunk beverage in the world. But, you know, it is interesting to have had these people in the course who were, you know, really big um, users of marijuana that would actually say before they started, I have a reverential relationship with this plant. All of a sudden they're like, I actually don't. (laughs) I actually never considered what the plant wanted. And a lot of them were like, and now I cannot with a clear conscience for now use this plant anymore. Mm-hmm. And that that was like very fascinating and unexpected for me. And um, I think the truth is it's another thing. It's like time. It takes time to develop this. I'm sharing about it now. I've been like studying this for years. I've been in this, you know, for many, many years now, just trying to figure that out. How do I talk to a tree? I don't understand <laughs> And we have this idea that a, tea, a tree is going to talk to us the same way that we talk to each other. That I can just say, hey, tree, what do you think? And then I'm just like, they're waiting. And if 10 seconds don't pa- or pass and I haven't heard anything, I'm like, well, this is awkward. This is human relating, right? It would be awkward if we were humans. But the tree is not a human. So it's a lot of it's about like space and time and literally what I, how I have, one of the main ways I've developed this in myself is just by drinking tea and not by drinking tea in order to hear what a tree said to me. But one day the tree will talk to me because I'm drinking tea. And it's like, oh, this person, I want to connect with this human. Cause can you imagine how it feels to be a tree right now? And you see a human, you're like, fuck, (laughs) it's going to chop me down. Look, there's a human like danger, danger. So much of nature danger there's a human yeah and so we have to give nature and all these beings some space to like relate to us again because we are not the we have not shown up in reverence or respect or even like caring about the lives of anything non-human for a long time right yeah and I think that gets into the whole piece about receiving and receptivity like to me we're like going out we're trying to ask the tea a question and instead it's like maybe we just need to sit and wait to see if we hear something you know like but we're yeah that's so hard you know for so many people to wrap their heads around because we're so interested in we're so interested in going to get not just waiting um I think that was definitely Mm -hmm. a huge lesson for me in my life overall and something that tea just sort of like it's that constant reminder and grounded groundedness in that of like whatever is meant for me will come. Mm -hmm. And yes, I need to like do some sort of action in order to reach out and grab it, but I don't need to go find it. I don't need to like run around. Right. Um, And there's nothing wrong if nothing comes up. And I think again, like there's, I, I think a lot of our desires I think when we're really desperate for something to be for the reciprocity, right. For the tree to talk back to us for the, you know, whatever it is. Um, it's, 
it's because we care so much. Like I, it's not often that it's like, because someone's just a jerk and has, and actively wants to project onto nature that they do that. It's usually because they care so much and they want to do it right. They, you know, but sometimes in that desire, it creates more separation because we end up projecting. And so, you know, this happens. And every time I teach about tea, it's like, listen to what tea has to say. And then the second week, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like you've been drinking tea for six days. You don't have the secrets to the universe yet. <laughs> you know, like it's really, it's, and it takes a long time. It takes, you know, I always say it takes like six months maybe of just showing up, showing up. But when it happens, it's unmistakable. And if it's mistakeable, if you're not sure it hasn't happened yet, right? So we get these little things and we get so excited, but if we get excited about the beauty of sitting and meditating and drinking trees, and then we just say, oh, this is what it means. Then we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to actually find out what it means and go deeper. So, you know, it's like really, it's really sweet to protect what comes up, protect this um, introspective desire to relate to nature up front. Because again, nature sometimes talks back more slowly than we're used to. And if I, man, if, if my first tea ceremony, I'm still learning, like, and I, I guess like then we get to a point where we realize we'll never know right. everything. Yeah. Why? Because, because our, this life or this world is full of beings that have a timeline as well. Yeah. So I'm never going to know because they're changing too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, there's so like, you know, again, and this can be the same can be said for lots of different types of spiritual practices, but like they're a practice. It's not like you go and you learn mm -hmm. it and then you know, and you're an expert and you have nothing left to learn. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people totally. <laughs> who operate like that, but to me, that's boring. Like I don't, I don't want to like master a thing. I, I want to grow with a totally. thing and like be mirrored by a thing. And you know, like my astrology chart doesn't tell me who I am and T doesn't give me information that isn't ever evolving, you know, like it is the journey mm -hmm. of the thing that I think is so powerful. And like, if you're approaching any of these tools of like, tell me the secrets of the universe, like you're already on the wrong path, I think. Totally, totally. And it's this, again, humans, we have this desire to be right and wrong. Right. It's, and there is no right. There is no wrong. <laughs> that's a, that's something that's really easy to say and really difficult to embody. Mm -hmm. It's a practice to embody it because it's our nature to try and keep coming back to right and wrong, right and wrong. And yeah, again, I think it's like, a I think it's a genuine, sincere desire uh, that comes from caring, but it's something that has become really disruptive and destructive in our lives. Yeah. And so, so much of relating to nature is just like reminding me that there's infinite ways in which things can exist and do exist that are way beyond my understanding. So to, you know, to your point, if I'm sitting here just trying to understand everything, then I'm setting myself up for failure. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, and to, to your point too, 
about the question of like how how to distill it, how to just make it so simple, even though it's coming from all these traditions, how to skip appropriation, how to skip this. I, I mean, I actually talk to my spiritual teacher a lot about this and she keeps me in check. You know, I'm open to the feedback, but really it's how can we get things to universal, right? There's laws above every, every tradition that are universal. So how do we bring, how do we, it's not bypass the tradition because it's very honoring of the traditions, but how do we not get caught up in them and get to the universal and Um, And for me, the biggest universal truth that I focus on in my work right now is that everything is alive, right? And again, that's something that's really easy to say and really hard to believe, like really hard to actually believe. But how can I see everything, this table, my home, this bowl, the trees as alive with their own right to be that as is as valid, important as my right to be as a human. Not more, not less, but equal. And when I focus on that, it doesn't, it it like supersedes the things that people usually get caught on, caught up in. And it, and it, and it by, it transcends the, um, the desire to put things on because you can't really put that on, right? You can't put that on as an identity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like so neutral and yet so powerful at the same time. Um, Yeah. It reminds me too. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the whole ritual and routine thing, because that's something that factors into my life quite a bit. The difference between the two and like how, how is tea or other actions that we're taking in our life? Like, what are we doing it for? Who are we doing it for? What's the meaning behind it? It's not just like, yeah, yeah you could just clean your house, but then you could make a ritual out of cleaning your house, you know? Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear your perspective. You know, yeah. <laughs> I was reflecting on this a lot the other day because I was drinking tea and what was coming up was like, when was the last time you really served yourself? Mm. And I think that's a beautiful thing in rituals that we're serving and we're serving and, and tea ceremony on our own, we get to serve ourselves, which is rare, but I don't know. I'm sure you feel the same way, but like, if you look up rituals for women online, you're going to find like, do a face mask (laughs) or, you know, I don't know, drink lemon water in the morning and I think these are routines and self-care and they're really important. And trust me, like I love a face mask um, and, and I love taking time. I was going to say, we and both what? take baths. We both take ritual baths. Oh my That's gosh. Yeah. Love a bath. We leave each other messages in the bath. Yeah. It's just like amazing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know I'm always in a bath. But that a ritual bath is a great example, actually. Yeah. It's like, I think rituals... Um, it's funny because I, I said something in that class that I did. I said there were like four P's. And this is not, you know, this isn't scientific. It's just my point of view. And it just came through that day. But it was a ritual connects you to your purpose, right? So what am I here for? Who am I? It actually makes me think about myself and my place in this world. It has some sort of prayer, 
And I say that, um, just like pretty broadly, you know, I have a desire, I have a, a prayer for me and others that, and it's, and prayer is a really great way to connect us to something greater than ourselves. So really like that acknowledgement of something greater than us. Um, I don't know what the other two were. <laughs> P, 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 P. I'm like the four P's. I kind of like made it up that day, but I think those, those two out of the four are the things that we don't acknowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, when we say what's a ritual and it's like, I'm doing a face mask. That's a ritual. It's like, is it? Cause ritual is supposed to connect us to something greater than ourselves. It's oh perspective. Mm -hmm. That's another piece. We're going to get there. (laughs) It shifts our perspective. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll say I'm very, I'm, I am a very, consistent human if we had this conversation in 10 years I would get there too because I'll just be saying the same thing um so yeah it it gives us a different sense of perspective and um I think women have been really robbed from our space and ritual because it's threatening and we live in a patriarchal society so it's pretty straightforward and it's actually funny as I was doing that exploration I saw so much about tea too Mm. I'm like tea is this badass feminine force this creative this unconditional love this compassion and like we call everything else tea too yeah. You know, like all these things in our totally. society have like muddled. We don't so even we know. don't have access to her. Yeah, like we don't know what totally. the feminine is anymore. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> totally. It's like, and you know, it. so I actually see that very parallel with T um, just in her being. Um, but yeah, with ritual, I feel like we've been giving these just like simple tasks and, and what they end up, there's something that then is rooted back into our society that's trying to make women better than what we are, quote unquote. So like, do a face mask. Why am I doing a face mask? Because I want to be more beautiful. Right. I do. Like, I want to be more beautiful. Every Most people, most humans want to be more beautiful. Or drink lemon water in the morning. Why am I doing that? Because it detoxifies my body ultimately, if I got to it, it would probably be to make me more beautiful too. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to lie. Some people might be to feel better or whatever, but a lot of our rituals, they come from a why that has a need associated with it. And this is what I was reflecting on the other day was like, when we really serve ourselves there, the why there isn't one, it's just to love ourselves because service is the action of love. So, um, so for ritual, I think the why is always love or to open my heart so I can love more, to unblock myself so I can love more, to appreciate and love nature or those around me. You know, like there's something in that that it comes back to love. And I think a lot of the rituals that we have in our society, again, it may be pleasure orientation, right? So I hear that a lot. Like this has become a ritual for me in the sense that it like feels good and stuff. Sometimes people say that about like making their coffees or things like that in the morning. And that's great. But I think ritual goes a step further. But it's like, I'm doing this because just like mostly, not only, but mostly because it's a way for me to love. And in that, I think the reason that I say that is because then we show up even when we don't want to. Um, We show up because it's for something bigger than us. 
And I talk, I, you know, I've talked about this with you before, but it's like, say my rituals to go through a walk every day in the forest. And one day I don't want to go through a walk every day in the forest. Let's say if I, if I did this from a selfish place with a need, I walk every day in the forest because it, because, um, it's healthy for my body. And one day I'm like, I don't care that my body's healthy today. I'm not going to go. But if it's for something greater than me, I walk through the forest because it is mutually beneficial to me and to the beings of the forest. Then all of a sudden I'm going even when I don't want to. And I think that is like, this is the key to creating lasting rituals. How do we get it outside of ourselves? Um, well, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's definitely a component that like communicates with each other as far as like loving ourselves and then learning how to love nature as a result, but then also like loving nature as a way to love ourselves. Right. Cause like there is that mm-hmm. disconnect. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the connecting to the purpose piece and yeah, I wrote something a long time ago. If like you're, if you're coming presence, present, <laughs> Present. That's a lot yes. of We should. <laughs> Yay. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, self care. Like, if you're, like, I remember when I first, like, changed my entire life and was, like, going through, like, the most traumatic dark night of the soul ever. I, you know, I thought, like, okay, what do I do to fix this? You know, like, okay, let me, like, do this practice and let me meditate and let me do yoga and, like, let me drink this juice. And, like, it was all these sort of, these tools that I felt like I needed to do in order to stay sane. And I remember like going through a bit of a crisis with it because I thought like, wait a second, there's all these people around who don't have to like do 16 different meditations in order to be sane. Like, yeah. Why do I have to go through all of this? Um, and you know, I was coming to a lot of those practices from a place of like self-hatred and like, you're not good enough. And like, you're, you can't survive without these things. And, you know, there's so many times where I was just like, okay, clean slate. Like, let's just totally start over with this and let me come at these things in a way that's like, what feels good? What feels authentic? Um, you know, to the point now where I'm not forcing myself to do like a new moon ritual because I think that's what's going to fix me. It's like, I just want mm-hmm. to do that. And that has specific meaning for me in my life. And I feel like, grounded in my connection to the universe and it's a very different thing I feel like if we're coming at self-care from a place of I'm not good enough I need to do these things to be better then we're just perpetuating that self-hatred like that isn't actually caring at all (laughs) um yeah totally totally and and it's really hard I think that that's why like the blind commitment to something before you even understand it is really important. And to just follow, we were talking about this before we got on, but like just to follow your intuition because so many people, like I even see it with my tea course, like they come with a desire to serve tea to others. They're like already looking down the road. They're like, I'm going to learn this so I can give it away instead of for me. And I'm kind of like, sure. Like, but let's see. And then they come in and then they're like, actually, I want to keep this to myself for a while. And it's like, because we have like in your desires of all those things that you were doing, like, it's going to fix me in some way where like, then I'm worthy of doing it instead of just following the things that like, you don't even know. Like if I had, if I 
had gotten into tea because I wanted to teach tea down the road, I never would be drinking tea right now. Right. Like I just wouldn't, you know, if I, if I had, if I had tried to justify that spend on that fucking luxury retreat to like go to a tea ceremony, it like, that was just love. That was just like love and trust in myself right. of like, I don't usually want to spend $7,000 on retreats. Yeah. So there must be something here and I'm going to trust to that, you know? And I think it's like when we can just allow ourselves to be, there's no right, there's no wrong. I'm just me. And this is, and I was born with certain desires and certain, a certain path that's different from others. And then we commit to that, then we can see. But when we like overwhelm ourselves with 10 things, we're not going to get to know any of them. Well, we're always going to have shallow relationships So then, and so it's like, just try it and try it for like, give yourself the six months and see, do I like it or not? Actually, like, let yourself get a little bit deeper. But I agree. It's like, I, you know, we want to, the thing is that this like cycle we're in of, I want to fix myself. It's a cage that we've put ourselves in and we're comfortable in cages I actually just posted about this on Instagram this morning. It's like, we are, we were raised in a society that tells us that the, like the ideals of American society are, we have the right to defend ourselves. We have fought for our freedom. We, the world is full of obstacles and the American dream is to overcome them. So we're like raised in the society that tells us there's always something to fix. Life is about fixing the problem. And that includes me. So like for me to be me, there's just like all these obstacles and they, and then they become this like hatred. Right. And if you were to have said to yourself in your dark night of the soul, I don't have to do anything. I'm perfect just as I am you'd be like, this is really uncomfortable. (laughs) I don't want to be perfect just as I am. I want a way to fix it. I want a way to, to like get there. And, um, freedom is uncomfortable. Freedom is uncomfortable. And so, yeah, but finding pleasure in your practice, I think is really important. And I think that again, it gets us out of that. I must suffer to earn. And then it's like, So part of the thing I love about tea is I actually love tea. I love drinking tea. It makes me feel good in my body. I feel happy. Like I like the taste. I like the sense, like the sensuality of it. I just like love everything about tea. So of course, this is my practice. If someone were like, I hate tea, but I want all the things that tea offers, I'd be like, you should probably find something that's going to give you pleasure at the same time. Because then it's like, oh, I get to grow through pleasure through happiness, through like doing what I want versus doing what I think will fix me. Right. Yeah. It's like the difference of like thinking you have to do X, Y, Z to be worthy instead of just being like, I am worthy. Mm-hmm. So what do I want to do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what is the expression of that? Right. What is the ritual in that? Um, and of course, right. you know, that's hard when we don't feel particularly worthy to begin with. But I think it's always like, do less you know um oh my gosh less 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 (laughs) stop talking (laughs) that's my biggest one that's my biggest one I live in such a quiet place in the world and so the sounds are a lot but just like you know there's always something clouding us and just giving ourselves the space to be 
is really beautiful. And I think, again, tea tricks us into taking that space for ourselves because we feel like we're doing something, but really we're actually just being. So it, it like tricks our brain. Yeah. Yeah. And I've watched it myself too. I mean, like, I mean, to get me to meditate would be like a whole thing. Like I would just, you know, it would be so not this kind of coming from a place of self-love like oh I just like have to do this because this is what I'm supposed to do in order to be like a mindful human um and with tea there's none of that I mean just in me signing up for it I was like I don't I don't know anything about this I just feel like yes this for whatever reason is appealing to me and then now it's like I just want to drink tea like I just want to do it you know there is no I have to. And when the days that I don't, there isn't that like, oh my God, you're a broken person now. You know, it's like, I know myself now well enough to be like, okay, today I did tea. This day I didn't. Today I did it in the morning. This other day I did it at night. And those are all valid. Right. Um, So, yeah. And you're not identified, since you're not identified with it, it doesn't mean anything. Right. You know, like if you were like, I'm a tea person or I'm a meditator, then the day you don't meditate is the day it it disrupts your whole sense of self versus just being like, oh, it's just a day I didn't meditate. And I noticed that in myself, like anytime I say, I say to people, I don't do anything every day except breathe. And one day I will stop because the, the moment we all have it in us. And all of a sudden I might be like, Oh my God, I've meditated for 30 minutes every day for six months. I'm like, Oh, you're not meditating today. <laughs> We're breaking that. Yeah. Cause then, Oh, now I'm identifying with it. And now I'm not doing it for me anymore. I'm doing it for the identity I built around myself. Um, but yeah. And like the beauty totally. of T2 is it's so subtle. She's just like subtly changes your life. It's like, I never people actually, since I started teaching this course, And again, even a year ago, I would have been like, I'm not going to be doing that. If you told me what my life was like now, I'd be like, no way. But the um, people in this, in the process of putting start your own tea practice out into the world, they'll say to me, oh, you're just so grounded and you're so calm. Or like the guys I've dated have been like, I can never tell what you're thinking. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) I'm not grounded and calm. And like, everyone can see what I'm thinking on my face at all times. Like my whole life I've struggled to not just like react with my face. And like, I realized, Oh, it's just from tea. It's literally just from drinking and serving tea that these things, I didn't even realize they were happening and they weren't even my goal, but then it's created like so much, just these beautiful qualities in me. It's cultivated presence that I didn't I wasn't even searching for necessarily Um, just from showing up, just from showing up. And it wasn't, and not from saying I'm going to be more present, but that happens to me every time I meditate. I'm like, I don't know if you do this, but every single time, I mean, every time I meditate, I have a thought that's (laughs) like, what is this going to make me? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, totally. Yeah. And that, I mean, it speaks to, to like, I mean, there is something to be said, I think for that sort of like, impulsivity I feel like that word is given a bad name but like when you feel the call to do something intuitively like you went on the retreat I enrolled in the tea ceremony I mean I've done this with courses Mm -hmm. I'm just like okay I have an idea like tomorrow it's launched it's just like if you follow that Mm -hmm. you don't give yourself really there is no you can't have like crazy expectations and like think too much about it it's just like you're just sort of feeling and following an energetic pull 
and then you just allow it to be whatever it's going to be. And it will likely be something different than you expected if you did expect anything. Um, But that was certainly the case Mm -hmm. with tea for me. I mean, even learning astrology, I was just like, this sounds cool. I don't really want to be an astrologer. I just want to learn this, you know, and that's how sort of how I approach tea too. Right. Like, I don't necessarily want to be a tea person. I just feel like I want this in my life and let's see what happens. Um, totally. And the results from that are so much broader. Like the breadth of possibility is so much more mm-hmm. when you don't go into it with this set of like, okay, if I do this, this was what I'll get. Or if I do this, this is who I will be. Um, Right. Yeah. And I think there's something too, to be said for the timing that you mentioned, like following the intuition in the moment, because I see this a lot in our culture of people being like, oh, well, I know this is for me, but it's not the right time. And they don't understand like that actually is the right time because it's coming to you now. And they think they can just replace it later. Like, oh, I'll just do it later. They're seeing really time is very linear. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something too in trusting the timing, like for what you were saying about like, oh, you might have an idea for a course and it launches the next day. It's able to do that because there's no blocks because now is the time. And if you don't follow that calling, the idea will leave you and go to someone else. Like ideas are beings of their own as well. And so... It might be someone, you know, I always say this to people like with the T course, it's different every freaking time, every time a different group of people come together. And if you're one of the people being called in that time, the next class might not be right for you because it's a different energy, right? It's just a different group. So it's like, follow the timing too. like, don't ask so many questions. Yeah. (laughs) Just that's the point of intuition. Intuition isn't about figuring out, um, like intuition's anchored in the present moment. And again, when we, when we think that intuition is something that is going to stay static forever, then we're living in a world that's not alive. We're living in a world where everything around us is also going to stay static forever, mm-hmm. including ourselves. And that's just like not the case. So there's like a real, and when we, when we drop that, that's where all the magic happens. Like all the miracles of I said yes to something that was right for me, even though I had no idea or, um, I, you know, I launched a course and it was so easy and it was great because I was working with the energy of the world as opposed to receiving something and then saying, okay, well, whole, whole entire universe, just wait three months (laughs) and then, and then it'll be right. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I think it can go both ways too, you know, cause sometimes you can feel like all of this pressure to like finish something sooner than it should be finished. And I think it's all, no matter where we're going with this, whether it's like yeah. trusting the timing. So like hold back a second or trusting the timing to do it. It's like all of that's intuitive. Um, and all of these, you know, practices and being still and listening and receiving, I feel like are like you can't, I can't just tell you how to be intuitive. You know, <laughs> you have to, you have to sit with yourself. Um, and you know, and it's, and it, that in and of itself is a practice, you know, the practice of learning and listening to your mm-hmm. intuition. Like that's also an ongoing relationship that I really honor. Yeah. Um, you know, you gotta be vigilant. We gotta be like, you gotta be really, you have to, um, 
you know what I would say is like, I said, don't question it, but definitely question yourself and question where these things are coming from. So, you know, you brought up pressure. It's like, where's the pressure coming from? Is it coming from what you think is right or wrong? In which case abandon, don't listen to it. But if it's, you know, if it's a pressure that's coming Yeah, I guess it's hard to describe it, but just like being really careful of the societal pressure because we have been conditioned to not listen to our intuition even when we think we are. Right. And it takes a lot of, um, it takes some fucking up. Yeah. And, And a lot of like questioning our motives, like really honestly questioning our motives. Yeah. Just to develop the baseline of what, of like what, is us. Totally. Yeah. I've talked about this a hundred. I mean, I might've mentioned it to you too when we hung out, but I literally started like during that period of time in my life when I was so confused about who I was versus who someone wanted me to be or what I wanted versus what the what culture or society wanted. I just started asking myself every single thing basically that I did. I was like, why are you doing this? Not in like a, a hostile way. Mm-hmm. Just like, why are you washing the dishes at night? Like maybe you're someone that likes to wash them in the morning, mm. you know, like, why are you waking up at this time? Mm. Why are you doing this thing? And that was such, such, such a vital tool for me. Um, and you really do have to sometimes like when you're in that state and so many of us are of mm-hmm. not knowing where the boundary is between our own thoughts and our own desires versus other people and right. society. It's like, you really do sort of have to strip it all down and kind of start from scratch and you can build such a beautiful new experience for yourself based on that. But I don't know how you do it without really removing yourself. You know, (laughs) you got to remove yourself first from the noise. Yeah, totally. And I think how even asking that question is so powerful. Just like, why are you doing this? And you don't need to understand why, but knowing why, you know, you don't have to understand it. I think about like when I took the job that, um, building the startup, uh, years ago, I was like, why am I doing this? And cause it was like in sales and I, and I'd never done sales before. And I'm like, oh, do I want to do this? And then I just, the old, my reason why was I don't like talking on the phone to random people. I don't know. Like I'll never pick up the phone and just call someone, even if it's like to call someone to like order food. Oh my God. <laughs> like so I just really didn't same. like it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, I think that that's a life skill I need to learn. So literally I took it with that. That was my why. And I didn't understand why, but man, I will tell you. And then that job led me to making all the money to buy my house, led me, help me make all the money to go on that retreat to, um, to go to Taiwan and China and to learn about tea and to like really immerse myself to buy all my tea stuff and then it burned me out <laughs> and like ended me up in a hospital and gave me two years where I literally couldn't work and just 
worked on myself internally. And during that time, just like started serving tea. And when I was enrolling people for the courses before I used to do calls with everyone. Mm -hmm. So you and I did one of those. I was just like, I literally wouldn't know what I was doing without that. It came back full circle. I was like, this is why I needed Mm -hmm. to be able to talk to people that I don't know because I feel so comfortable with it now. And if I hadn't learned that skill, I might not be able to do this work. And so it's like, even when we, the why doesn't have to be something like that says something about us, but like really trusting that like this, just knowing it, just grounding it in like, this is my reason why and it's good enough for me. Mm -hmm. Great. There's so much magic that can come from that. (laughs) So much magic. And like, I literally, people were like, how can you do so many calls when I was doing them? Cause I could wake up and do eight calls in a row. And I'm like, cause I used to do that. (laughs) so like I used to do that every day yeah and so yeah these little things there's so much um so much open to us when we just follow those little callings that don't really make sense and I think we close a lot of doors when we try and when we're constantly trying to like get something bigger out of it or something that society wants from us out of our decisions yeah Yeah, I got this great, I got this astrology reading once, like, many years ago, and I was just sort of starting to, like, figure out, you know, what I really wanted to do with my life now that I was being intentional and Mm -hmm. authentic about it, and I had all these, like, detailed plans, and like, oh, I want to, like, do this, and I want to buy land, and I want to do this, and I want to start a community, and blah, 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 and he was like, look, I've been talking to you for 45 minutes, I'm pretty convinced that like if anyone could do what you want to do, that you're capable of it. He's like, I don't want to be demeaning, but you are also really young. And he was like, I just recommend he was like, figure out what the energy of that thing is and follow that. He's like, because if you're too specific Mm -hmm. about what it's going to look like or what it's going to be, you're actually limiting the breadth of possibility. Like, you have no idea. Mm. Like, you could do something so much bigger even. Like, I don't know what that is. But, you know, it's all just like Mm. it's coming back to that energy. And I I feel like I did that with my career in the natural products industry too. I sort of ended up there. It felt sort of haphazard. And I knew that wasn't what I wanted to be doing forever. But it just sort of felt like, okay, but that's what I'm doing now. Like, that's the step I just took. And I'll take another one and we'll see Mm -hmm. where it goes. And, you know, at the time, looking back now – I mean, there's so much that makes sense that didn't, but I felt grounded in like, mm-hmm. this is where I'm at now. This feels good. I want to be here. I'm I'm following something that feels true to me and we'll see, you know? Um, totally. Yeah. Totally. That's so true too. Cause sometimes it's like the bigger the thing that we imagine, the less likely it is to happen because it's too big. And the big ideas actually come as a result of smaller ideas that get um, iterated. That's a good word from the tech industry, iteration. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we iterate, we iterate. It doesn't have to be, you know, we just need the minimum viable product, not the final product. And so, yeah, totally. And, you know, everything, everything that I have in my life, I could not have dreamed it. Like at the time that I was in the decision-making process or the dreaming process, my understanding of possibility was so limited that it could not have encompassed anything in my life. 
Safe. anything. <laughs> and so it's like, stop limiting yourself because trust me, it's better. It's better than what you can imagine. For sure. So yeah, just following the breadcrumbs is great. Yeah. Well, okay. On that note, I'm going to force myself to wrap it up. Um, How do we do? I think we did great. I think we did great. Um, so <laughs> what's the timing on it? One hour, 36 minutes. Okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, so if you could tell everyone where they could find you and learn more about you and all that you teach. And then I also yeah. ask everyone on the podcast who's on the podcast to recommend one book that was really meaningful for them in their lives. And these are the books that we vote on and pick from when we do our book club. So it, they're actually integrated or potentially integrated. Beautiful. I would say braiding sweetgrass, but you already did it. <laughs> well, I'll put it again. I, I think probably now there's been like five or six people that have come on the podcast that have said that book. It's totally fine. Really? Yeah. 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 It's my teacher also. It's the only book she'd recommend. Um, but Okay. You can find me, everyone, on Instagram at Mariana Rittenhouse. Um, that is, I'm the only Mariana Rittenhouse in the world, just like you're the only Anya Kotz in the whole world. <laughs> this is another one of our things. <laughs> so it's me. <laughs> um, and I do mostly everything through there. I also have a Facebook group called For the Love of Tea that we just chat to stuff and do tea things. So if you're interested in that, but every, but you can also find all that through my Instagram. And then we have another start your own tea practice launching now. So if you're feeling the call, hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and what else? Was there anything else I was supposed to say? Uh, I think that's it. No, I think that's it. You did it. <laughs> okay, great. I did it. Thanks Mariana. You also did your first podcast. I just broke your podcast. I know this is my first podcast. (laughs) This is so good. This is a good one. You're very gentle. Thank you. (laughs) I figured it would be good. Um, Thank you so much for chatting with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope that if anyone has any other questions about tea, you can hit me up on Instagram. And honestly, if you're feeling the call, trust your intuition. I would love to guide you. And I'm just like literally just knowing how many new tea people there are in the world over the past years, like my pride and joy. So I'm so excited for more. Yeah, no, and it would be great to share that experience with some of my listeners too. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's my new word to describe start your own tea practice is dope. It's, awesome. <laughs> it's dope. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Hello again. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you would like to support the podcast and become more involved in our little community, patreon.com slash Anya Kotz, A-N-Y-A-K-A-A-T-S is where to do that. If you have any questions or you ever want to reach out about a suggestion for a song, a guest, just share some feedback on any episode. I love love, love hearing from you guys. You can message me on Instagram or send me an email on yakots at gmail.com. I'm going to play you out today with a song that, uh, that I'm going to completely mispronounce. Um, but when Mariana came here to serve me tea, she put on some music and this was kind of randomly the first one that, uh, popped up and it wasn't exactly what I expected for a tea ceremony. I was expecting like 
you know, soft, quiet massage therapy room um, music. <laughs> and there is some of that, of course. I have my own huge uh, playlist. Mariana also has a playlist that I think is public called The Great Tea Playlist, if you guys are interested. Um, and of course, you could listen to, you know, any calming music while you um, have tea. But this is the song that came on and uh, Marianne has been serving tea for a long time. And so she's quite good at it. And the combination of the way that she was moving and the way that she was doing this ceremony in combination with this music made it like a dance. And I was just sitting there smiling ear to ear because I was like, oh shit, this is so cool. <laughs> like, I'm so glad that I signed up to do this. Um, this is so my vibe. And it was just the most magical experience to watch her, do this dance and perform this ritual for me to the backdrop of music like this. And I just, it, it made me really realize the potential of what we can create, you know, even when we are practicing a traditional ritual, um, a tra traditional practice, uh, as Mariana said in the episode, you know, we can create for ourselves what the experience is, what the meaning is. And this really let me know, like, the sky's the limit. Um, and it made me really excited. So I wanted to play the song for you again, please check out Mariana on Instagram, sign up for her tea course if you are interested. Oh, right. And the song name that I was almost going to not say, <laughs> can I just skip it? Cause I'll just mispronounce it. Uh, Otu Vemased Riyad, read, I don't know. Um, I will post the name of it in the description as the pod of the podcast as always. And you can find it on the millennials guide to saving the world playlist on Spotify. Love you all madly, deeply. Please enjoy this song and I will catch you next week with another amazing, exciting episode. Bye guys.
Thank you.